good day, listeners. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of Say Word. Say Word is a podcast we started. The goal is to inform, offer diverse perspectives, and add a touch of humor where appropriate to events happening in Toronto and in our world that our viewers can connect with. We started this podcast to give thoughtful and purposeful perspectives. Toronto is home to us all, hence the name, and we want to leave you with content that is a good use of your time. Today is going to be a special episode. I can sense it already. We got our boy, should I say our man, since he's a father of two kids, engineer and entrepreneur Salama in the building. Salama is the founder of Made Gains, a fitness company whose mission is to help busy professionals get leaner and stronger. Personally, what I think sets apart Made Gains from most fitness companies is that everything they do is backed by science. When I see those IG posts with references to studies and the information is super insightful, I think back to the time Salama and I had a discussion and you were telling me about how serious you were about fitness and nutrition and to see you take that interest and build it into your own company is inspiring. So a warm welcome from the Mandem. Yes, Amanda, welcome, welcome. I feel like welcome. I'm meeting a celebrity, actually. I actually, uh, Salama, I, uh, I used your workout program. Maybe it was like a few years ago. There was like a four-day workout program routine that you, uh, you came out with and it was free, uh, accessible by anyone. I printed it out. I put it in my Duotang and I was working out to that. So it's, uh, it's, nice, to, it's nice to finally meet you. Duotang. That's oh, nice. Oh my God. I used that word. Yes. <laughs> oh uh, I appreciate it, man. I highly appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, I love hearing stuff like that because, you know, obviously I don't see everything. I don't see the effects of everything. Right. Um, I think it's a full body, full body program, right? Was it a full body workout? It was, it was a full body workout. I think I still have it somewhere in my room, but um, it was, it was legit. It was legit. It's like, and I'm one of those people when I go to the gym, I like knowing what I'm going to do. I don't like just wandering around. So it offered, of course, some, some direction and some guidance. Amazing. I hope you make gains off it. So it's an ongoing process from. So before we get into the episode um, and introduce the rest of the man named Salama, I wanted to uh, let you tell your story to our audience, um, a brief summary of kind of like your journey when it comes to beginning made gains, um, staying dedicated to your craft. Like, what is it that made you take it from an idea over to like the brand that you've built for yourself? What inspired you to kind of take that next step? Because I mentioned your engineer as well. So I'm sure your days are busy, um, entrepreneurship alongside a full-time job. I think a lot of people don't think that the two can coexist, but you've managed to straddle that pretty well. So, so kind of take us through like the creation of Made Gains and what pushed you over the edge in terms of uh, bringing it to life. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think it ties back to what you hear people mention a lot that you should have a passion and you should sort of run with your passion, right? Um, and you know, I think, I think that's partly true especially in the beginning stages where you're going to have to put in a lot of work and you're not going to see a lot of returns for the work that you put in. Something's going to have to drive you. Right. Um, and you know, that, that drive is going to come from uh, a passion. So, I mean, ultimately the story was, you know, I grew up skinny. I think most East African brothers can, can relate to that. I grew up really skinny, like wearing multiple t-shirts in the summertime, just to like have padding to my body, you know? Just because when you turn sideways, you like disappear. You know, you have no chest, no arms, no back, nothing. Like way, way too skinny. Like we're built to run long distances and, yeah. and just cut through the wind like efficiently. You know, so that's what it um, is. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, and then you get older, and then before you know it, it's like you you put on some not so good weight. So then you end up with this skinny mm -hmm. fat physique. You're not fat, fat, where you're just a big dude. 
yeah. when you're not skinny because the gut and, and and everything else is, is in effect you know so started skinny yeah. um skinny fat more so skinny at first and then, you know once i learned that i can change that with my actions and I actually think fitness has a lot of um things that transfer to other aspects of life um one you learn that you can change your situation by putting in work by being consistent by getting through the sticking points by going to the gym when you don't want to by eating foods that you may not like at first but eventually you get used to it right and eventually when you put all that together you start to see real changes in your physique and that, that starts to be motivating when you get results um so ultimately like I started working you know started seeing some changes starting getting compliments started getting people noticing i'm like hey like this is actually working like this is changing something that um that i always wanted to change right but the thing is when you go into the fitness space what you see at least in the front end is um people who are just like influencers you know also like professional bodybuilders who are you know on boatloads of drugs but they don't tell you that part um people just it's almost like a celebrity culture more so than like an informative knowledge-based um this is why what we do works and this is why you should do it it's more like just follow me this work for me and and you know a couple of my followers right so you know i sort of stumbled across this like this whole science evidence-based form of weight training where i had no clue that actually like researchers and scientists and people were like studying these things and, and we're going to compare this exercise to this exercise and see the differences in, in muscle activation or compare this diet to that diet and see if there's any differences is our carbohydrates really making you fat or are you just eating too many calories do you really have hormonal issues or is it food selection like all these questions and instead of someone just making up an answer we have like data that's actually been studied uh, and, and we have a body of research that you can look at um sort of come up with the answers right so that sort of just clicked in my head i was like that's pretty dope you know it's, it's not just some dude telling me do this because I, I i did it it's more like we have some some solid data to to reference right um and then from there it was just like at first i wasn't to tell you the truth it, it wasn't even um it wasn't like I was, I was trying to start a business or a brand or, or coach people online and, and have other coaches work for me like none of that was in the works all i knew was you know me and my boy were sitting in the parking lot at yorkdale and i'm like yeah i need a name for this like well, what should i name it so it's my afghani brother dr barry if you see this i love you bro so like we're just sitting there we're just coming up with brainstorming ideas and then we just came up with made gains you know like you made gains because it doesn't just apply to fitness you know mm -hmm. when you when you listen to the polls when people are, are like voting or, or the, someone's running for to be a president or whatever you hear them say stuff like made gains in in the polls mm -hmm. or your stocks made gains in the stock market like made financial gains like you're you're, you're making money i just like made gains it's, it's more like a, a mindset a way of life we're trying to progress over time right so we just ran with that and that honestly it was really just like this is what i'm doing in the gym these are the studies that i'm reading these are the research reviews i'm subscribed to and whatever i learned from that i just sort of posted it online like i would just write all this stuff reference the studies it just started growing from there you know one thing goes into the next and and I think it's a testament to your brand that you offer free consultations for people who are serious about their fitness. The value add that you've built um, speaks for itself. So I think the success that you uh, you know you're continuing to have is a, it's a testament to your hard work, and and uh, we're happy to have you here today. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I for, to tell you the truth, for me, it's still hard to hear certain things. Like when people call it successful or call it like an established brand or, you know, the brother call me a celebrity. To me, it's just like, man, it's, I'm just a regular person. Like, seriously, I'm not even trying to be humble because I know a lot of other mm -hmm. fitness trainers in this space and a lot of other guys who are mm -hmm. like, guys who are literally millionaires, guys making 20, 30, 40K, some guys making 50K US a month off the training stuff with, you know, millions of followers, like mm -hmm. for real. So, to me, they're more 
like borderline celebrities, guys who are really killing it. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just putting my passion out there and helping a few people along the way, you know, but I appreciate it. Yeah. So we got our main man as always here to make sure the episode is a success. So we have Ahmed, AKA at Starbucks, they call me Baker. We have Khalaf, AKA Cali. We have Hassan, AKA Mr. Glad Aaron Baines isn't getting any more minutes. And we have Batter, AKA Scarborough's Finest. I'm just gonna toss that in for you, Batter. I'm your host, Hirsch. Thank you all for joining us today. I think uh, there was a story, I don't know if you guys caught it, but uh, apparently there was a goat uh, stolen from Riverdale Farm. I don't know if it caught copied it's conspicuously close to <laughs> yeah, I heard about there's a brother and sister out there trying to use it as a sacrifice you it's, know, the it's, the eat, right. it's the wrong eat man it's the wrong eat guys who was it not <laughs> the right way to go about that. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we're to return that goat um to its missing mother its mother yeah. so anyway I wanted to uh get into our fun topics our first is an interesting one as we answer the question is the gym membership worth it now, unless you make up part of the 18% of people who actually use the gym on a regular basis, according to uh, the Molly Fool, you may be wasting quite a bit of money. I've personally seen a lot of young professionals who sign up for corporate plans at discount rates, but barely attend, or when they do attend, do the most random workouts. I mean, like those guys that try to fit a week schedule into one day. Um, now, a lot of people they aspire for those health benefits that the gym can bring them, but they just can't seem to make the time. I'm sure, Salama, this is something that you've probably heard from a lot of your clients, and we're interested to know, do you encourage your clients to maintain their gym membership no matter what and encourage them to commit? Or do you encourage them to redirect their resources to things like nutrition, perhaps, or equipment for at-home workouts if they just really show a disinterest in going to the gym? Do you consider it a waste of money for, for those who say they're too busy? Yeah, I mean, so it's definitely a lot of aspects to consider when it comes to answering that question. Um, for the gym, for some people, is is like a getaway. It's like their personal time where they can get away from you know the office, from their home, um, from those things that can be a distraction, right? So for some people, if you can get to the gym and you could train regularly, um, it's a good idea. I mean, we'll get into consistency, how to improve consistency in a second. Um, but if it's something where, you know, you feel like it's taken away from your family and travel time is too much and it's just something you can't squeeze into your schedule, then you could definitely get a lot done training from home with like essential equipment, things I consider essential, like a pull-up bar, bands, push-up bars, these things that you can get on Amazon for, you know, relatively cheap price depends on the space that you have. You could do a lot at home, hundred percent. So it, it really just depends on the situation. Some people love it. Um, and you, you definitely do a lot more with a squat rack, a barbell, you know, a variety of weights and machines. You, you definitely can make a lot more progress with all that at your disposal. But again, something is always better than nothing. So if you just have to get equipment for your house and, and that works, you know, that, that can work as well. So it, ultimately, it depends. To make it more personable, fellas, I wanted to open up the, the floor to you guys. How have you noticed your gym routine um, change? And, you know, this is, a, this, is a, this is a safe space. So if you guys are struggling to find time to work out, don't worry about it. Um, but I'm interested to know, because some people have adapted well to at-home workouts and some people haven't. Um, some, some of them felt like the gym. So your point, Salama, was an escape and, and they really missed that setting and they, it's really thrown them off. So you guys on the call, those who uh, 
we're consistent, semi-consistent, going to the gym, like how, how has your routine changed during COVID and, and what do you do um, to stay fit? So for me personally, uh, I was an avid Good Life member from like 2014 up until 2018. You know, I, I would get the the special employee group discount rate where you get like the membership for like four or five bills and you basically don't have to worry about it after that. And to, to Salama's point, there's something like refreshing and recharging about, you know, being able to go to the gym. It's kind of like an escape. You get into your car, you get your clothes, you go, you, you, know, you do a whole, you do a whole, your, your whole routine. But I, I, for me, I found like, I think it was like up until like 2018, maybe early 2019, where I just wasn't being consistent with it. And um, really for me, the only value I got from Good Life personally were the group training classes, right? And I found like that was kind of like my niche. And so luckily they, off they started offering that at work. We had a studio upstairs at, the, at my workplace as well too. And I learned that you could literally get a solid workout in with just like a single kettlebell. Like you can get like a good sweat in, you're gonna feel the soreness the day after. And then from there, I just became addicted. So I just, I stopped, I didn't renew my Good Life membership. I did like the F45 Barry's Bootcamp. And then from there, like when the pandemic started, I was just, I got, I, I started slowly investing in like uh, equipment. And now I'm just doing workouts from home. And like, I don't ever think I'll ever get like a, a gym membership ever again. Wow. Strong statement. Strong statement. I know I mean, you're, you're big, you're big on good life. I remember you was trying to get me to come to work out from time to time. So that's, that's a, that's a big shift. What about you batter? Uh, I know you, uh, you're an avid, uh, you know, you're avid about your fitness. So how have you tried to stay active? Uh, Salama Batter is a fa father as well. So I'm sure you yeah. got some calories burning just chasing your young. <laughs> yeah, it's good cardio having, uh, having a toddler. But I think lately it's been a struggle just because, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, well, gyms are not open, so I can't really do anything or like you said, being a father, oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I have to chase the kid around, you know, oh, figuring out what sort of excuses you can use. Um, but then I've gotten to a point where um, I've seen a lot of people who are very creative uh, on social media or wherever, right? Very creative about how they go about like keeping fitness as a part of their life. And just a little background, I played basketball extremely competitively. And I I only ever did as much in the gym that would allow me to get better at playing basketball. I never had really any specific goals. I never really tracked any of my workouts. I never did any of that. So while I was going to the gym, I feel like the, looking back, I feel like there was a lot of wasted time and um, wasted progression or wasted gains. I'll plug that, you know, made, I could have made more gains, you know? So I think um, now being in lockdown, it's given me this perspective that there really isn't many, there aren't many excuses for, you know, having us like a severe injury or, or whatnot. Like you can figure out a way to organize your day to get up super early, for instance, get up 6am, go for a run or whatever it is that your goal is. Right. Um, and then the other part, like actually tracking, okay, what your goal is. I found that uh, I, I was following at the beginning of lockdown I was following a lot of people on social media and I would see an exercise like, oh, okay, I got to throw that in. Oh, okay, I throw that in. And then I ended up with like a hundred exercises and it seemed very overwhelming, but it's only overwhelming because I didn't know what my goals were. I didn't know what I was trying to improve, right? So lately I've been focusing a lot on things that, you know, I, I can get better at home. And 
planning to, I just moved to a new area and they have like an outdoor gym. So they have like places where you can do pull-ups and dips and push-ups and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that, that stuff never really, that never, that's not out of style. Like people, people, you know, get really fit doing just that. Right. So um, to Ahmed's point about good life, like I was also going to good life a lot. Um, but I feel like all the money I spent on good life was wasted because I wasn't tracking what I was doing. I, I didn't have a specific goal. I saw progress and that's kind of like confirmation bias just because you see progress doesn't mean that you're maximizing your time too. Right. So, um, yeah, so I think it's given me more perspective, uh, a better perspective on, um, once thing, like once lockdown is lifted, like, do I necessarily need to go, go to good life? Maybe not. I, it starts with what my goal is, I guess. And I've started like working from there instead. Right. So I still haven't made that decision whether I'll go back to good life. I'm looking for someone with a discount code, you know? So uh, if anyone knows anybody, you know, holla at me. I got you, bro. I got you. Just a couple of quick things I wanted to add to that because um, definitely a lot of great points there. Um, I, I think this entire pandemic has brought, um, I, I guess is, is the reason behind this question is how, how important is a gym membership? Gyms are closed. Um, a lot of people, you know, some, some people fell off, of course, but a lot of people found other ways to stay fit. And if you were, you know, successful in doing that to a certain degree, you know, it's very easy to say that you're, you're not going back to the gym. And, and to tell you the truth, I had two gym memberships before this. I had a good life membership, so I can always train in the gym with training partners or just, you know, just get it in myself. And swimming pools are great. Group classes are great. I had another gym where I could train, but also record videos from because I was very cool with the owner, right? Um, so I actually had two. And when that shut down, it was, it was back to square one. Um, so when I moved out, I have a den now with a pull-up bar, dip station, a bench, um, dumbbells, just a bunch of things I just started to invest in throughout the pandemic. And I'm, I'm starting to feel the same way. Like I can program a pretty solid workout where I can achieve my current goals with what I have. So do I really need a gym membership? Probably not, you know? And I, th I think that goes back to the one of my previous statements of it's about environment though. I think the, the main thing the gym is going to sell you is the environment. You're going to go in yeah. and you're going to be a little more motivated than you were in your house. You might squeeze a few more reps. You know what I mean? You might lift a little heavier. You might do a few more reps because there are people around. There's actually studies on this, like everything between um, music having an effect on your performance, you know, whether you listen to music or not, it's sort of been shown that certain types of music that hype you up improve, uh, improve your performance and other studies, even just the opposite sex, like even having the opposite sex around can improve your performance, you know, and, and it could be a halal thing or haram thing, but you get what I'm saying. It could be your wife, who knows, you know, <laughs> but just, just the influence of the opposite sex tends to increase your performance. Right. So there, there's environmental benefits of the gym. So it, it sort of just depends on, on, on what the person, what they're accustomed to and what they need. Right. I just want to add um, one more thing. Um, one thing uh, better you touched on earlier with the um, feeling like it was a bit of a waste of time because you, you didn't have a structured plan and, and you weren't tracking diligently. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely feel you because I'm a very calculated person and I'm, I'm very like, I, I encourage tracking regularly, just like anything else. If you want to improve it, you should measure it, right? Um, but I think it also ties back to what you're saying before of um, it, it also depends on your goals, right? Because for general fitness, yeah. just to stay healthy, just to get some blood flow, just to get the mental, um, mental health benefits even, um, 
exercise is good. So if you get 30 minutes of weight training, even if it's yeah. not exactly structured and programmed or, you know, go for a run, even if it's, you know, not as consistent as, as some people would like it to be, it's still good for you. Like it was, de- I would say it's definitely still a benefit, but you know, I hear what you're saying. Like it being tracked and structured is the fastest way to make progress. But I, I would just, just add like a positive spin. I, I still think you, you, you did good going in and, and training, you know, or yeah. that's for anybody. Fitness in general yeah. is, is going to be good for you. And it's yeah. interesting. Cause I came from a place where, you know, competitive basketball where it's like, you just got to do more. You just got to do more. You just got to run more. You just got to shoot more. You just got to keep doing more. And it's like, how much do I need to do? And it's the answer is always more. Right. Mm. So it's, uh, I had a period of my life where I was dealing with a lot of overuse injuries after all, all of the overtraining and the, you know, Oh, you got to run for three hours. You got to put a thousand shots up and do all this stuff. And it's, it's not very empirical, you know, it's not very, like you said, evidence-based. So I kind of appreciate that approach a little bit more now and kind of realize like, maybe not, I say waste of time, maybe it was the wrong word, but more of a, I could have maximized my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, like you said, a more positive spin on it, but you definitely, you, you see it everywhere where it's like, you should be working out like three hours. No, I, I, I don't necessarily think that because I've seen the negative effects of, overtraining and, and stuff like that so so yeah no i definitely agree with a lot of the points you made for sure i think that goes back to the fitness industry where you know an evidence-based approach especially when it's tailored for you know busy professionals fathers people who are just busy in general i like the 80 20 rule where it's like we're going to take the 20 percent of the things that are going to give us 80 percent of our um gains right so being more time efficient choosing the most effective things. Those are the things that sort of work for guys like, like us. Right. Where I know what you're, I, I totally know what you're saying too. You know, you, you might listen to David Goggins, you know, you might listen to his audio book and he's, he's talking about running, running for four hours and running, doing these Navy oh, SEALs yeah. workouts. And someone who doesn't know much about fitness or exercise science might be like, well, I got to train like that too. Right. You, you're right. There's just more and more and more to the point where it's unsustainable. Right. So I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. And so I'm what are some maybe quick hits in terms of like, for those who say they're too busy, um, I hear sometimes that you should be able to get a full workout in within half an hour. How do you convince people who say they're too busy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I'm actually working on this, um, this PDF for busy professionals. And it's, it's really just five points um, that I think are, that are going to be most beneficial to them. And it's more focused on the systems right? Not so much do this exercise or follow this diet. It's more about your overall system. So to to answer your question, one thing I recommend for people who are extremely busy is to have this thing called a default workout, right? This is your bare minimum baseline workout that you can always do no matter how busy you get, right? And then you can always add to this default when you have more time. If you find, you know, maybe your, your deadlines are now done, um, maybe school exams are, are out of the way, whatever it is, whatever busy period you are now past, you can add more to it, right? So having this default program, is, it's always something that you can do regardless of how busy you can get. So it could, be the, it could literally be two full body workouts, 40 minutes twice per week, right? No matter what happens, I'm going to get these two workouts that are about 40 minutes, um, I'm always going to get them done. Having that in place, it's it's more like the tortoise and the hare story, right? And, and, and it prevents the whole go super hard, fall off completely. Go super hard, fall off completely. That's what people typically tend to do, right? So just start with the bare minimum, be extremely consistent in that, and just add to it when you have time. 
Oh, that's some great tidbits, great tidbits. I think we could go on and on about this topic. We'll get into um, kind of a related topic later on in the episode, but for those who uh, yeah, want to learn more about this, I encourage them to visit your website and uh, maybe schedule a chat. So uh, we're gonna move on to our second topic. Um, now, a lot of us have our suspicions about politicians. They usually have a packaged answer for most questions and some people claim they just can't trust them. Now, we won't get into a debate about declining trust and its impact on political systems, because then that's a serious topic. Uh, we're going to instead ask you guys about your responses when you see a politician show emotion, but not necessarily agree with their, with their, with their actions or policies. A recent example, maybe Doug Ford, who at a press conference cried after receiving public backlash for his government's handling of the pandemic. Now, I know personally, when I saw that video, I had some mixed reaction because on the one hand, I didn't want to ridicule someone for showing emotion. But at the same time, I just felt like, uh, you know, you basically just let all police forces hard people the week before. So, like, how do I reconcile these two things, you know, like just the disagreement um, with, with kind of his handling of the pandemic. So did anybody else see that? What was your initial reaction when you saw that? Um, uh, maybe if I go first, I wasn't so much focusing on the reaction. I was more, so they announced before that they were gonna do uh, kind of like a virtual meeting of some sort or a virtual conference. And then he showed up in front of his house with like a podium and all that. So I wasn't even focusing on the, <laughs> the event, like on the words themselves. I was more focusing on like, was he unable to like log in? Like, does he not know how to use a computer? Like, why is there a podium sitting outside his house in the rain? Like, Wait, that was in front here, of his right? house? That so, was in front of his house? In front of his late mother's house. In front of his late mother's house. It was yeah, an exquisite garden. I'm not even gonna lie to you. And, it, and then that was the other, the other part. So it's, it's, it's hard to reconcile the fact that he has another property that he can go to to self-isolate. Whereas many of the people who are frontline workers, essential workers, etc., like they don't really have that luxury, right? So I think, uh, I think, I, I think like there were so many distractions that I couldn't really connect with him on a personal level, even though I wanted to. And like, you know, I've known people who have been affected by COVID. I, I myself, you know, have had my situation severely affected by COVID. So it's, it's. It's, it's, yeah, there's just so many distractions and I feel like it didn't go off very well and it almost made things worse, if that's even possible, but I don't know what you guys think. I want to ask you guys in more, in, in more general terms, maybe given the kind of frustration with lockdowns and, you know, even, even if you are in agreement with kind of the policies that are in place um, in order to shut down businesses and contain the spread, um, I think it's more and more apparent that it has an impact on your mental health, whether that's tired, whether you're tired, whether every day kind of feels like Groundhog Day. Um, I think it impacts our ability to like process some emotions or maybe we get more skeptical or, or we're, just, we're just reacting differently to things. So do you think that um, given kind of your, your frustration that you reacted more skeptically than you probably would have? Uh, I think it makes you a little more detached. You feel a little bit more detached, if anything. Like, I remember when I saw it and I was like, huh, uh, maybe he's running another call again. Who knows? <laughs> and just like scrolling past it and then realizing it became like news after, like just, it was everywhere. But I wasn't surprised. He tried to have his, you know, he tried to have it all. Try to keep certain things open and then try to, 
and then try to put like restrictions like these in place when he realized it wasn't working. So you should have stuck with one policy and then moved forward, transitioned into something that made more sense afterwards. Um, but it yeah, just feels sure. like it feels like he's playing catch up right now, and everyone knows it. So. I think it yeah. was confirmed right like there was a report that confirmed that like ontario was ill prepared to like manage the pandemic right um yeah and i don't know it's it's one of those situations where it's like damned if you do damned if you don't that's kind of like the the price you pay when you get into politics right and when you're in a position of leadership which is like i, like, I don't know how people do it but like he that's what he signed up for right and i Absolutely. think it's like there's there's almost like yeah, to, to Hassan's point, like a, a level of detachment and almost like skepticism when he cries. But, you know, maybe like, this is like the optimist in me saying, you know, maybe there's some there's some uh, sincerity in that, right? Where he's kind of just owning up to the fact that like he hasn't thought through things very properly. Like, like even from the beginning, like one thing that and I don't know if this bothered you, but like it's something one small thing, but like at points throughout the pandemic or during the the lockdown orders like um places like the lcbo were open and that was okay but like gyms were closed right like how is an lcbo considered essential but a gym isn't right and and then he had obviously his rationale for that right and politicians will always have their rationale and not to not to ramble on too much but yeah i just um yeah the dude was ill prepared and and uh, it's kind of like the the chickens coming home to roost, as as Malcolm would say. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it's really good point. It's, yeah, it, it, it's absurd in the sense that, yeah, having a liquor store open and having gyms closed, um, gyms especially where you could limit capacity, people are wearing masks, people are literally spraying everything down with like disinfectant spray after they use it, um, yeah. maintaining social distance. Why are you closing the gyms? when you have all those things in place there's no physical contact there's no just everything's in place to you know prevent this spread everyone's wearing masks um so for them to close the gyms when some people go to the gym to see it's almost to socialize you know mm -hmm. I, sometimes I'm, I'm a little more reserved like i just want to go and put in my work and leave but there's a lot of people who go to the gym to socialize with all the people from the community that train at their gym and you see them half the time they're working out other half of the time they're talking to somebody right so you've taken away, well, obviously you can't do that in the pandemic, right? But just being able to see people you're familiar with, we all know like your health has a major um, effect on how susceptible you are to this to this, um, to this this virus for the most part. So definitely fumbled. Um, I, I think they fumbled in a lot of ways, you know, but it, it's a difficult job. It is, um, yeah. But there are definitely decisions that could have been made a little better. 100%. I think yeah, not, also- Not only that, I was just gonna say, I think people are frustrated because they've, uh, they i think everybody agreed to sacrifice one summer they're like yo this summer 2020 it's not gonna be it i'm not gonna get what i want and uh they're like you know hopefully if i sacrifice this summer i'll get the next one you know what i mean but i think people have reached their limit in terms of like how much they're willing to sacrifice and when they see people being vaccinated as well they're like you know what like i'm gonna get vaccinated i'm gonna do my part so i can end this as much as possible so people people have limits too right i think you can't ask too much of people especially yeah. when they've already sacrificed what they consider to be like a significant amount of time. But I, I also wouldn't say people sacrificed last summer either. I mean, as soon as it got warm out, everybody kind of just lost their minds last year too. Life was kind of back to normal in the summer. Yeah. And everybody kind of forgot, but by Thanksgiving numbers went up again. And yeah. I, I just meant, so, I just meant more so in the sense that people were 
probably more willing to comply with a lockdown at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. At that time, if, if this was what in... I meant, right? Because it's like when, I got you. when you have like a rolling lockdown, what you do is people get fatigued, right? Because they're the optimistic people, they get really hopeful, like, hey, like maybe after this one, things will turn out to be great. Yeah. And it's like it never happens that way. And yeah, because I, it's nonstop. Mm-hmm. I think the, polit- the whole politician thing that you were touching on earlier too is very strange because. I think um, I think it's easy to hate on whoever's in power right now. If it was anybody, everybody sure. else would just be piling on, right? Because it's just like, oh, hey, it's a pandemic. And I think to be like very partisan during this time is also very weird because it's like, I don't think anybody would have managed this well. It's a pandemic. Like what politician has dealt with a pandemic and has a track record on how to do things in a pandemic? There's no playbook for it. You're right. Yeah. I think, oh, you're right. No, you're 100% right. side of that sometimes. And I think... You know, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you lose sight of that. But then when people hear of things that could have been handled better, um, it makes people want to just like throw their hands up and be like, all right, you know, what? I'm going to do my own thing now. Like seeing other jurisdictions, other countries, like getting back to normal and we're we're in the thick of it still. Right. So people feel like they just want to give up. Uh, it is very frustrating. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we do. We do get to enjoy our summer. You know, our summers are short. I can't imagine another season <laughs> in lockdown. Uh, Canadians earn their summer. You know what I mean? And sacrifice one. I don't know if we're ready to sacrifice two. That's, that's, just, that's, that's, that's just, literally what I was saying. Man. That's just reality. That's just reality. I'm not even trying to like, yeah. I know it's a tough job, but hopefully I've seen the vaccine roll out get a little bit better now. Um, yeah we'll see it how did yeah it did yeah yeah i think at the end of the day it's it's a tough situation but we can all agree that you know there's some missteps that maybe he uh he he uh, brought on that that kind of you know made it a spark plug and like salam was saying there's a lot of back and forth so you got you got men's arguing that the vaccine is is, is gonna hurt you as soon yeah as there's a lot of misinformation yeah there's mm-hmm. a lot of misinformation even uh, thinking about my barber he uh he asked me where the vaccine came uh the the covid came from and i said china <laughs> and uh he said uh no uh that's what they want you to think okay that's i didn't even want to hear the second half of that answer. yeah you don't so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you like once somebody says, awesome. "Do you know where said, you yeah, really came it. from?" <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go down a wormhole. You you wish you never went Ooh. down. It's gonna that might affect your haircut. You might not even want to discuss that while you're in your hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, your hair, your, yeah, your hairline is in jeopardy, fam. Yeah, vaccine is one thing. That vaccine is one thing. I think my where I draw the limit is like when you're posting about filling out the census, I don't know if you guys saw something about that, like people are excited to fill out the census and it's like, fam, you're, you're filling out the census. It's a survey, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, very duty. <laughs> are you going to feign like excitement at filling out a survey? Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. Now in the interest of time, we're going to move on. So we're going to talk about sleep, um, specifically why team no sleep in my estimation, it's not a team that you want to sign a contract to. Uh, we all have that friend who emphasizes the grind and takes pride in pushing through lack of sleep. And I think some people have kind of idolized that that notion of hustling and, and equated exhaustion to getting closer to achieving your dreams, even though that's not the case always. Um, now, we know entrepreneurship is hard and you do have to make sacrifices from, from all different kinds of angles there are some things that you probably want to take care of and sleep uh, being one of them. 
Now, Salama, I watched your YouTube video on how to get better sleep with Dr. Amy Bender, who's a sleep researcher. I looked at the chart and noted that for young adults aged 18 to 25 and adults aged 26 to 64, the recommended average is about seven to nine hours. Salama, one of the recommendations for those who struggle with sleep that Dr. Amy recommended was to see a sleep specialist if you're struggling with sleep. Now, can you tell our audience who maybe not familiar with the sleep specialist or the services that they provide, um, what is a sleep specialist uh, and, and how can they help those who struggle with sleeping? Yeah, for sure. So um, one thing I, I wanna mention is a lot of the interviews that I did like on the channel, one being with, with Dr. Amy, though I actually had a lot of those um, researchers and scientists come on as consults on my team. So now May Gaines is actually like a team of coaches. So I'll take care of like the, the health, the nutrition, or sorry, not the nutrition, but more so the training, the strength and conditioning stuff. I have nutritionists who deal with nutrition. If anyone tells me they have sleep issues, I line them up with a consultation with Dr. Amy Bender. I also have a rehab specialist. So it's sort of like this 360 all-encompassing thing, right? Um, so I, I give you some feedback on what a, a consult is with like a sleep scientist, because that's what we do. When, when I have some of my clients say, yeah, I, have, I have sleep issues, um, I set them up with Dr. Amy and they they have a discussion. So ultimately it's 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 almost like any other doctor appointment where, where you're gonna go in um, it's going to be, it's more in depth as longer. It's typically 30 to 45 minutes. And she's going to ask you a round of questions just to gauge what the issue can be. You know, how, how do you rate your sleep? Um, do you feel exhausted when you wake up in the morning? Do you have a bedtime routine? Um, you know, obviously her questions are more in depth, but she's going to ask you a, a list of questions, figure out where you are. And based on that, she's going to give you like things that you should be doing, you know, two hours before sleep, one hour before sleep, um, how your environment in your sleep, in your room where you're sleeping needs to be, right? They call them um, sleep. Sleep hygiene, I think. Sleep hygiene, perfect, exactly. So your, how is your sleep hygiene? Are you taking care of all these things that are gonna get you the, the best sleep? Or are you on your phone? Are you scrolling through Instagram, laying in your bed um, and then expecting to fall asleep right away? It typically doesn't happen for most people, right? So that's, that's pretty much what it is. It's her finding out what the issue is, making sure it's not anything clinical and giving you a prescription, almost, almost like a strategy to follow so you can optimize your sleep, get enough quantity, make sure you're getting long enough sleep, but also the quality is important too, right? So besides some of the more obvious advice that, that you can provide, like I think you touched on it as well in terms of um, uh, sleep hygiene and not scrolling right before bed. I know a lot of people struggle with it, especially in this day and age when people are doom scrolling or anxious about kind of what tomorrow brings. Um, what are some of the principles about sleep linked to athletic performance uh, that you advise your clients to to really consider? Um, and what are some of the bad habits ha bad habits that you, you've seen with sleep um, that you advise against? So I think there was a part of the episode where you talked about like caffeine use. Mm. I know some people kick their kickstart their day with caffeine. And, and you mentioned it as well, I think within the episode where you said like that might give you like short bursts. So between like maybe nine and 11, you're just on like uh, on a hundred, you know, you can, you can kind of perform at your peak mentally, but then you start to crash later on in the afternoon. So mm. what uh, I know maybe the more in-depth um, discussion about sleep uh, your clients would have with Dr. Amy Bender, um, but for yourself, like, well, what are things that you picked up on um, in, in terms of advising them to stay away or, or bad habits that you've seen? For sure. So, uh, you know, 
let's let's break this up into two things because you actually mentioned something earlier that I think is interesting. Um, probably even more so to your listeners. One is entrepreneurship and sleep and the whole idea of, you know, no time to sleep. I'm on the grind. Like I'll sleep when I'm dead. I got to build my business and do all this other stuff. When I'm successful, then I'll, I'll enjoy my sleep. Right. That, that's, that's very common in people who, who think that that's what they have to do to be successful. So I definitely want to touch on that. Um, but as far as more from the athletic perspective, um, sleep affects everything. Like literally, um, I, I've also posted studies on how it affects people in half a dozen ways. It affects your how you metabolize um, body fat, right? So there's been studies um, where people had controlled diets, but one was one group was sleep deprived, another one got the other group got like a full, um, I think seven or eight hours of sleep, where the other one was deprived, and I think they only got like four hours, um, four or five hours of sleep. And the group who was short on sleep, they the appetite increased, so they weren't as satiated when they ate food. They eat food, they wouldn't feel as full. Like they wanted to eat more food and they, they didn't metabolize fat as well. Right. So they actually end up holding on, holding more of the fat than they would have if they got proper sleep. So it affects fat retention. It affects your appetite. Um, it also affects your testosterone levels, which is going to affect your, your mood, your energy, especially as a man and how you metabolize muscle. Right. There's um, other studies that directly show you that it affects your strength as well. Right. Maybe not in the short term, to, to, you know, get detail in the study, the short-term sleep deprivation didn't have much of an effect on like your training session the next day. But if it becomes like a chronic thing where you're multiple nights of inadequate sleep, which honestly, many people are, are probably, um, that, that's their situation. I'm sure a lot of us are, are not getting enough sleep or not enough good quality sleep because of all these, you know, technology and, and the lights and also artificial light and stuff. Right. So ultimately it affects everything your diet, your nutrition, your body composition, your strength performance in the gym, um, even your mood, your energy, your focus. So it's, it's, it's certainly not something you want to sacrifice. And I find it interesting when people, when people say stuff like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, because I've heard that line like a couple of times. And, and I just, I, I tell them that's not sleep, you know, that's dead. Well, yeah. So, you, you know, the funny, the funny thing is they actually say that if you keep doing that, you, you might end up dead sooner than you think, right? So, that, that's yeah. that's I've heard that from um, there, there's a book called Why We Sleep, which, which is mm-hmm. a great book. Um, I've learned a lot of things from Dr. Amy, but mm-hmm. just just to touch on the entrepreneurship side. Right. Because, uh, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've worked a full hour, full 10 hours at work, came home, tried to spend time with the kids, got a workout in and I still had to do something for for made gain. So I get it. Like there's not enough hours in the day. Right now. Here's what I've noticed over the years. Sacrificing your sleep is not the thing you want to do. That's what I'm going to say. So anyone here who's getting two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, thinking that they're going to build a successful business, unless you're Elon Musk. I know Elon Musk has had some sleepless nights. And that's understandable. He's making billions. He's changing the world. These guys are flying in the sky and like building like underground, you know, um, these super fast trains and stuff. I get it. But for most people, if you're not getting enough done in a day, it's not because you're not because you're, it's not because you're sleeping too much. It's because your systems are not efficient. Right. So books like Deep Work by Cal Newport. I mean, I see his hands yeah, up. I heard of it. Yeah. It, sounds, it definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. Deep work. That, that's a fantastic book. Um, the one thing is another great book. Um, really talking about human beings. We don't really multitask. We call it multitasking, but we don't, we can only focus on one thing at a time. And the more you think you're multitasking, there's like this, this period of transitioning that is sort of being wasted. You have to refocus on this you do that for a little bit, you switch, and then you have to refocus on this, and then yeah. you sort of waste time switching. 
Is that so, called a switch cost? I've heard about it before. I think it's called a switch cost, right? Exactly. That is it's a perfect term for it. Like you're, you're losing time when you're switching between tasks. So ultimately, like all these books have a, a very similar message. And it's like you need to focus, right? Focus on what you're doing. You'll get more done in deep, undistracted four hours of work than you will in some people, you know, can do in a whole week. You'll get more done. So I would say don't sacrifice your sleep because you're sacrificing your, your health, your focus, your energy, focus on your systems, have more efficient systems in place that can help you produce more effective work or more impactful work. Right. So it's sort of my advice on that. Solid and, advice, I, man. and I noticed there was a decline in terms of the hours of sleep that we need as we go through life. I think sleep is a interesting topic because there's a lack of consensus on why we sleep. So I understand that scientists are still trying to figure out like exactly, I, 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 we know the health benefits, but in terms of like physiology, why it is that we, we need to shut down. Um, some say it's uh, required in order to store your memory. Some say it's uh, re in, required in order to kind of put your systems on, on, on autopilot so that, you know, you can, you can, you can get some rest or your brain can get some rest. I think that the, the challenge is that there's no set amount of hours, even the hours that were included in the study are recommended. So when some people say, I can sleep for five hours and can function perfectly, and perhaps like that is their optimal time for sleep, kind of how do you think that distorts the messaging around the importance of trying to stick with the average number of hours um, and people convincing themselves that if I just get an espresso, if I get five hours and an espresso, maybe like I'm just as good. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a great point. So that actually goes back to um, this thing called like individual variability. And even which just means like people are different. Like and we all know that, right? Most of these studies are just reporting the mean. They're reporting the average, right? So if you have 500 people in a study, um, what they're doing is plotting all the results on this sort of on this graph saying the vast majority of people fall in within this range say nine to seven. But, you know, if you dig a little deeper and you pull out the study and you see what the exact, um, what the, all the points are on the graph and all the results, you might see that one person is doing perfectly fine on five hours, right? You might find that outlier on the other side that this person, he, this guy needs 10 hours to function properly, you know? So there's always outliers and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. It's normal. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like I said, most studies are just reporting averages. And I think that I think that lends really well to the point of like understanding your body, like understanding, um, like 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 listening to your body. And um, I, I listened to bits and parts of the interview with Doctor Doctor Bender, but yeah, I think it's so important to know that. Like for me um, personally, seven to eight, like I need it. It's crucial. Otherwise, like I can't function, especially in my line of work, which is sales, and you need to be like fully on and fully present. I had a bit of an understanding of like how sleep affects performance because like if I didn't sleep well I, and I go to play ball the next day, just like things wouldn't work really well. And I was obsessed when I was in a teenager. I was obsessed with like jumping higher, right? Um, and like you don't sleep well and your muscles don't fire the way that they usually should, right? If I sleep really well, I'm, I felt like I was flying, you know? So um, and I like, obviously I'm like doing that by feel, but there are, it is an empirical thing. Like it is something that there are studies about where, you know, muscles tend to like, it's a, it's a neurological thing where your brain is able to send signals a lot faster, right. And able to fire your muscles a lot faster. So like I understood that. And then having a kid, I was sleeping a lot later. I was, you know, 
I put on the weight, but it was because I was up later and eating later. And it's like, it's like that, that extra 500, 600 calories every night that makes a huge difference over time. Right. Wow. Uh, and you build that fat and you're like, ah, why am I, why am I gaining weight? Right. And it's because like things do change, but then uh, bring it back to my kid, for instance, I noticed that we, we started doing what's called sleep training. Uh, some people don't like calling sleep training, uh, but we started with her really early because we noticed that like, when she doesn't get good sleep or she doesn't nap, she had a hard time focusing on one thing. She would like jump from one thing to another and just, just be, it's like very scatterbrained. Right. And once we put her on a schedule, on a sleep schedule, she was getting like 12 hours of sleep at least every day. She was retaining almost everything we were saying. And it was like night and day. Her mood was way better. She was way calmer in stressful situations. And it was like, there's a microcosm of like adults, really. Like if we don't get sleep, we're irritable. We ply ourselves with coffee. We, we do things to kind of placate it rather than addressing the issue that's making us get not, not enough sleep. And I know when I, when I first had my daughter in that first year, I would do, I knew how to do my job so well that I could do it on autopilot, but I wasn't going above and beyond. I wasn't being the best employee I could be. I was being probably better than a lot of other employees, but for me, holding up my, holding up my own standards, I wasn't able to go and take the extra mile. Right. So I, I, at some point I realized like I wasn't, I wasn't okay with that. And, you know, I started changing things and I actually feel a lot better. I feel in better mood. I stopped drinking as much coffee. I was drinking tons of coffee. Um, I, I barely drink coffee these days anymore. So like, like Salama said, like sleep kind of carries over into all aspects of your life. The last question I wanted to ask you, Salama, um, given that we're running out of time is, um, about this idea, probably young professionals like us have this idea that maybe they can, uh, you know, forego some sleep earlier in the week so that they can make up for it, uh, during the weekend. So that notion of sleeping in until like 1 p.m. on the weekend, making up for like that tired feeling all week. What would you advise? Because again, this is an edu- this is an education thing. I think um, coming from uh, our communities, uh, nutrition and things like sleep, it's like it's not talked about often. So everybody kind of has their own way of doing things, comes up with their own patterns, going into the gym, coming up with their own kind of workout regimen and just feeling like this is what we should do and this is how we should move forward um, without that empirical data. So what did you guys find in terms of uh, that notion that you're just going to catch up or you're, you have the ability to catch up? For sure. So, well, first of all, I'm glad I have Dr. Amy Bender on my team because this is like this is like sleep, you know, research one-on-one. So everything I'm telling you, honestly, is either from some studies that I've read along the way or stuff that I've learned from Amy, right? So I know Dr. Amy... In the past, she's talked about things called um, sleep banking, where you can bank sleep um, if you know you're going to be short on sleep in the following days. Say you have a big event coming up or maybe you're traveling and you're going to be short on sleep. You can try to bank some hours beforehand. That's going to help you with that. Um, she has a lot of stuff on naps and I've posted a lot on naps as well, where naps can really help you um, sort of make up for the lost sleep. And there's, there's different types of naps. There's very short naps that are, um, I guess we call them power naps. And the goal there is to keep it short enough that you don't get into a deep um, into a deep sleep state. Because the problem is the inertia of waking up is, it sort of drains you, right? You know, you ever wake up and you feel groggy because you didn't get enough sleep? 
that's what you're trying to avoid by keeping it really short. You want to keep it 20 minutes, you know, 25 minutes. So that way you feel energized, but you're not in a deep in a deep state where when you wake up again, you feel you feel groggy, right? Like you took like a two hour nap. So you can you can't bank sleep. You can't take naps. There are things you can do um, if you're going to grind through the early part of the week and try to make it up on the weekend. I guess you don't have much of a choice if you truly have to do it. But ultimately, nothing beats a consistent sleep schedule, right? Nothing's going to beat that. Um, and I think that um, Dr. Amy actually brought up this. Um, it, it wasn't a study per se, but I think they they took a whole bunch of data from from um, Fitbit, which also tracks your sleep. And I think they found the people that who had a consistent sleep time fell asleep faster. I think within half an hour of their bedtime, say you go to sleep at 11 every single day or 10.30, every, 10.30 p.m. every single day. The amount of time it takes you to fall asleep is a lot shorter than someone who's going to sleep at 10 one day, sleep at two the other day, stay up late on weekends, and it's all over the place because your body does not adapt into a specific time, right? So, you know, th those are those are complicated questions, sleep questions to ask. It's something I, I should direct to Amy, and th that's why she's on the team. Um, but ultimately, if you could be consistent, that's always going to beat sporadic um, a sporadic sleep schedule. But if you have to, there are strategies like power naps, like banking sleep, um, things like that that you can implement, right? Yeah, I like that notion of banking sleep. Um, I think these tips, yeah, these tips um, uh, with regards to people's like own personal health and, and well-being, whether it be uh, working out, uh, whether it be nutrition, um, these are things that I feel like for our community, it's, it, it's a wealth of knowledge that you provide. And I think our audience is going to get a lot from this episode. Hopefully we can continue the conversation in the future. I know you did a lot of studies, a lot of different videos. Um, so there are nuances in terms of what you, uh, what you and your team bring to the table. Um, but in the interest of time, but we're going to end it there. I want to thank you guys for your time today. I want to thank you for your perspectives. For our listeners, thank you for tuning into today's episode. As always, we hope you found this insightful. We hope it made you think. And we look forward to having you join us for our next episode. And another thing, too, for our listeners, if you're not following Salama already, make sure you follow him, follow him on hey. Salama. Where, where, can we find, where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram, at MadeGains, M-A-D-E-G-A-I-N-S. Um, you can check out my YouTube channel. It's MadeGains as well. Um, the coaching page is leanbodygains.com. Um, but I think if you go to Instagram, you could that sort of branch out from there. So I appreciate, I appreciate that plug, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. You heard it here first. Wealth of knowledge on sleep, fitness techniques, all, all everything you can think of. Thanks yeah. a lot for joining us, Salama. Yeah.